Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. About 10 years ago, I was making a transition. I was getting ready to move from First Baptist Church of Zachary, Louisiana, and head north up to Temple Baptist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Well, what I found out or realized is that I already had a, a trip planned between when I would go to Ruston and leave Zachary. We already had a family vacation. This was 10 years ago. And that family vacation was to a place called Disney World. We were going to Disney World. Now think of this, Steve. I'm thinking, I'm not sure that spiritual preparation for a new work was going to be found in Disney World, but that's where I was supposed to get. That's where we were going on vacation. So we went down, and my oldest, I have four children. My oldest, she was 10 at the moment. She had just seen a new movie. She had just seen a movie that had come out. You probably have never heard of the movie, but it was a Disney movie. It was called Frozen. Remember? You remember you're supposed to let it go. You also let the money go. And what she wanted more than anything was this little doll of Elsa. So we're in Disney World. She's just seen the movie. So everywhere we go, like we're going, we're riding rides, we're going in stores. She's always asking, where's Elsa? Well, baby, we're at, and we would ask the people at the store. We would look around. We would, we, would, we would ask them to call other stores and find out. We went like several days looking for this doll. It came up to the last day that we were going to be there. And we were like, what are we going to do? Because you know this. Do you know this? Like, you always want to do what you can for your kids, right? Some of you got grandkids. Now, see, some of you think, well, I do what I want to do for my kids. Some of y'all do what you want to do for your grandkids, right? So she's 10, and she wants this doll. And I keep telling Leslie, we got to get this doll before we leave. So I don't know much about it. I actually had not seen the movie, but I, I'm trying to find the doll. I'm calling people. I'm checking people. We're, we're supposed to leave, like, just in no time. They said, one more place you can go. One more place. So we got to the park before it opened. Like we stood there in line for a long time because we thought this is the last place we can find this doll. We walked in. We found the doll. It cost us probably, what, $285? It is Disney, by the way. <laughs> no, it didn't cost that much. It didn't cost that much. It just feels like it at Disney. Everything's more expensive. We buy this little doll and we get it. And she's so happy. To be honest, we all know where that doll is this day. But I thought about that. We go to such lengths in our pursuit of even such small things sometimes. We, 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 we go to such lengths. We, we'll spend money, we'll spend time, we'll spend energy, we'll do whatever it takes. Folks, over the last few hours in this place, we have been challenged time and time again about our pursuit. We have heard it so well spoken by the people who have preached and brought God's word. But what I would ask you as we begin to close things down this afternoon,
So are we, are we willing to pursue Christ? Are we really willing to pursue the mission just as much as we pursue other things in our lives? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, I believe it speaks to the importance of the pursuit and it gives us some instructions for the pursuit. So I want to read it with you today. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews uses an athletic analogy. As we see oftentimes in the New Testament, the, this athletic imagery that is used by the writers of Holy Scripture. Now for me, as you can tell, I'm a strong athlete. And I expected you to laugh. The Lord would judge you at some point, but... There are a lot of athletic analogies and Im- imageries in Scripture that they would have been familiar with. And here, once again, the writer of Hebrews uses this analogy of a race. He uses this idea of an event. He gives us this importance of the pursuit, the importance of the race, because what he tells us is, is that before you even think about running, you need to understand that there's a great cloud of witnesses that you have around us. A great cloud. That means that there are a lot of people that are watching. There are a lot of people bearing witness and perhaps witnessing themselves. You know that if an event is important, people show up. Sunday night, we got down a little bit early. Some of my staff and I, we went over and watched the Pelicans game. Pelicans and Mavericks. There were a lot, of people, there were a lot more people there than in a Rustin High basketball game. A lot more people. Because it seemed to be more important to more of the city. And you have a great cloud of witnesses. Now, who are these witnesses? Ah, chapter 12, verse 1 begins, therefore. I was taught that if you see a therefore in Scripture, you ask, what what is it therefore, right? So it connects chapter 11 to chapter 12. Chapter 11, what do you have? You have the hall of faith. You have the hall of fame of those Old Testament believers who had gone on. You see people mentioned like Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Rahab. You hear about all these people of the Old Testament. Now again, they were flawed people. I'm so appreciative of Scripture because it never tries to gloss over the weaknesses and the failures of people. You see all of those. And yet they're recorded in Hebrews 11 because of their faith. It is because of the faith that they demonstrated. Yes, they were weak. Yes, they had failures. But there was something about their faith in the Lord Jesus. There was something about their faith in God that somehow gave them the testimony that they had. So the witnesses are those who had 
gone before. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the great cloud of witnesses would speak about these Old Testament heroes of faith. They were the witnesses. Think about this. The writer of Hebrews says that you have all of these witnesses who have finished their pursuit. They have run their race. And it is as though they are sitting in the grandstands and they are still bearing witness to God's redemptive activity and work. Here we are as Louisiana Baptists. Here we are celebrating 175 years of ministry and work. My friends, could you think just a moment about the hall of faith Could you think just a moment about the great cloud of Baptist witnesses that were here in Louisiana? Could you start writing out some of those same individuals in a Hebrews 11 type example? Joseph Willis, the first Baptist to bring the gospel and to really plant a church west of the Mississippi. Steve mentioned this morning, M.E. Dodd, pastor of First Baptist Church of Shreveport, who was the architect of the cooperative program. Not far from here, Chad, Dr. J.D. Gray. Those who served at our seminary, there's so many that have gone on to be with the Lord. Dr. Cawthon and Dr. Stanfield, Jerry Barlow, Janine Bozeman, Dr. Landrum Level. Could you think of the pastors that have been here in this state? Perry Sanders, Perry Webb, Clifton Tennyson, even Wayne Jenkins. One that I've gotten to know, or actually his legacy I've known, is Robert Solomon McGee, the pastor for so long of Temple Baptist Church. Even in the last couple years, God has called home some of the faithful ones, like Step Martin, like Dr. John Alley. And even since our last convention, a guy that would sit down and keep our time for us, Brother Dwayne Monk. There are a lot of people in that cloud of witnesses. And when I think of Hebrews 11, I think of the Old Testament and their witness. I think about those who've gone before us in Louisiana Baptist history And I recognize that we are part of this now. We get to continue on into this pursuit in this race. It is important because they have left us a witness. They all bore witness to us what the gospel was. And here we are in the place of redemption. We have this moment. We have this moment now. They don't. They're gone. Those who are coming after us, they don't have this moment now. But we do. We have a moment on this redemption continuum where God wants to use us. And notice it says, we also. That means all of us together. Plural. We can do this together. Not individually, but together in unity. I thought of this as I was reading through this analogy. It says, there's a great cloud 
of witnesses that surrounds us, goes on surrounding us. Their legacy continues. Now, again, I was kidding earlier about being an athlete. You can tell that. But let's say that we go out and we begin to participate in some large contest, competition. Maybe we're on a basketball. Maybe, maybe you're playing for the Pelicans. Although after what I saw uh, Sunday night, I think I'd rather be on the Mavs. But anyway, maybe you're, maybe you're playing and you look around. It's hard to pick out the names or it's hard to pick out the faces, I should say. Oh, you can if you focus. But a cloud is almost like they all blend in together. Right? Because yes, they have their individual testimonies, but somehow together collectively, they bear witness to us. It's like they're all there. And their witness continues to motivate us on. It is a unified testimony that they've given. You know, I thought about some of these people that I read a moment ago, even in Louisiana Baptist life. Now, again, I'm not from Louisiana. I'm from Mississippi, but I got here as soon as I could. And I started trying to learn more about Louisiana. And there are some of these people that probably had different theological stripes about them. And somehow they form a cloud. In other words, there's something that continued to unify them. And that was their pursuit of Jesus. So let me give you quickly some instructions for the pursuit. It is important. What are the instructions? The writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. As I went back to the original text, it means something like decisively lay it down. Make a decision in your life to lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you. The weight. When someone is running, they don't pick up extra weight in order to run. They want to make sure that they can throw off all, all hindrances to their race. Some of your translations may say hindrance or encumbrance. In other words, they throw off all those kinds of things. In the New Testament world, when they would run, they would wear very little, if anything, because they were trying to get rid of any excess weight that would slow them down. Listen, I think this could be good stuff that still weighs us down. I, I think these could be things that we classify as good, but they slow us down in our race and our pursuit of Jesus. You see, it could be a hobby. It could be a relationship. It could be so, instead of us asking, Lord, is this bad? What we might ought to ask, Lord, will this help us run faster? Will, you help us, will it help us run more quickly and more efficiently for you? I, I determined a, some time ago in ministry that I can't do every good thing. Do you hear what I just said? Now, God has called me to do good things, but he's not called me to do every good thing. I don't have the time, the energy, the money, anything else to do everything that is good. So I have to decide, God, what is it that, will, that you want in my life to help me run my race? And I think churches can get like that sometimes. 
As we grow, people want more things from us. They want this and they want that. As the Louisiana Baptist Convention, people want so many different things. Have this and, and run with this and take this upon you. We better remember that there are some things we need to lay aside. Even though they may seem good, we need to lay them aside because they're not what our mission and purpose should be about. Lay aside every weight and lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us or entangles us. You know, it is embarrassing to fall. It is. I mean, I've been trying to watch myself up here. I embarrass myself easily anyway, so I don't want to add to the embarrassment of falling. Sometimes falling can hurt. My mom, she just turned uh, 84 last Sunday, and I'm proud she's not live streaming this and just heard me say that about how old she was, but she fell last, thir- last week on Tuesday hurt herself. Falling can be painful. Now, what I know about the Lord Jesus is that he can see us fall and he can come to us and pick us up and he can begin to do a little bit of comfort on us. He can bring healing to us. I believe that about Jesus. So I know that can happen. But my friends, what I would say to you is that we need to run the race in such a way that hopefully and prayerfully through wisdom, we will not fall. We lay aside the sin, which easily ensnares us. See, I'm convinced that, um, I'm convinced that all of us have certain things that really get us. There are certain things that we are weaker in. There are certain areas. And listen, Satan knows that. Satan's not all-knowing. There's only one all-knowing, and that is God. But Satan does take note of us, and he watches our habits, and he sees our actions, and he sees what we're liking, and then he begins to try to lure us. And today, in this place, there are some of us that we know that that sin is the sin. It could be greed. It could be pride. It could be pornography. It may be something for you and it may be something different for me, but somehow if we are not careful, if we do not address that sin, it will entangle us and bring us down. So my son, my older son that is a senior, he ran uh, his final state cross country up in Natchitoches on Monday. So I haven't known much about running through the years, but I've tried to watch Hayes and what he did. And they even brought me in and let me help one day. Now, this was crazy. The coach said, hey, you can come help. I'm like, help? What am I doing? They gave me a bag of flour. I said, a bag of flour? They said, yes. We want you to go through the course there at Lincoln Parish. And what we want you to do is take that flour and we want you to put it on all of those roots that you see. So that when the runners are running, they'll see the roots. They'll see the obstacles and they will not fall. I pray today that the Holy Spirit puts down some flour, puts down some markings so that you and I will know these are obstacles, these are things that trip us up. Before we leave here, before we can pursue, we must know that we must lay aside this sin. I think he was Charles Steinsman. He was an engineer with GE for many years. 
And he retired, finally. He was so proud. And one day they had a problem there with all the machinery at GE. So all of their engineers, they tried to cover it and tried to take care of it, and they couldn't get it. So what did they do? They called Charles out of retirement. Charles came out of retirement. He walked around the plant. He walked to one machine. He took a piece of chalk, and he marked it with an X. And he left. Sure enough, sure enough, that was the problem. And they fixed it. Well, they were a little bit surprised because about a week later, GE got a bill for $10,000. And they asked him to explain it. They actually said, you need to itemize this. He said, I can do that. So he put down, making an X, $1. Knowing where to put the X, $9,999. The Holy Spirit has to show us where. He has to make an X and say, hey, you got to lay aside this sin. So lay aside. Learn to run with endurance, with patience. He says, let us run. The tense there means you go on running. You run with endurance the race that is set before us. Brother Leroy Fountain talked about endurance yesterday. I almost had to get up here and stop him because I thought he was going to preach my sermon. Let us go on running with endurance. You got to run with endurance. You got to learn to do that. So when I was in high school, I was on some student government and we decided we'd help out in the Walk America. 6.2 miles, 10K that we'd go do that and we'd participate. So I did this intensive training. About a week before, I went with my grandmother around the church walking track and I would walk a mile a day. So I walked a mile a day for a week and I thought, I've got this. Because I was like 17 or 18. I felt invincible. So I go out there and we start and I start running. Man, I'm just letting it go. There's this other guy that I know. We get a little bit down the road. I said, man, this is good. This is not hard. He said, you know, we haven't run a mile yet. I said, what? He said, we haven't even run a mile yet, man. So I started fading quickly. There was this guy, his name was Bill Smith. He was director of missions in Lee County Baptist there in North Mississippi. Brother Bill was about 40 years my senior. Brother Bill and I did a service, an outreach service each month at the Tupelo Flea Market when I was in high school. And I knew him well. Well, I was fading, and I looked over, and I saw Brother Bill. Now, he was, he was running like this. And he passed me. And I'm going to be honest. I was like, this is, this is not going to happen. Because he's going to. So I would run. I'd run past him. Then all of a sudden, I'd slow down. I was tired. Guess what? He'd come past me. I mean, this went on for 6.2 miles. I saw him at the end. I saw that Bank of America, which Bank of America, which was the finish line, and I just, I just gave it everything I had. And when I crossed the line, I just collapsed. Brother Bill, he came by me and said, "Reggie, you all right?" I said, "Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." I started to tell you, "I beat you," but I thought, how could he do that? How could he do that? You know how he could do that? Because he ran every day. If you're going to learn to run with endurance, it's because you run. You, got to, you just got to run. And every day you got to get up and you got to run. 
Do you know what I see in the Greek here? The word race is agone, agone, which is where we get the word agony from. There's going to be pain. There's going to be agony. But guess what? You got to keep running. You and I got to give it all we have because the Christian life is not a 40-yard dash. It is a marathon. So he says, lay aside the weight and the sin. Learn to run with endurance. Man, I like this. This is where I can start preaching. Look unto Jesus. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author and he is the finisher. He is the one that conceived salvation in his mind and in his heart. He knew what he was going to do. The Father knew that he would send Jesus before the very foundation of the world was laid. I believe God knew his plan. He was the author of salvation itself. He did what we could not do. He sent the one, Jesus, who is holy. Jesus, who is perfect. Jesus, who is sinless. Sent Jesus to live on this earth. To teach with authority. To demonstrate to us what love and truth, what, it, what both of those mean. Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He died on the cross for us. He's the author of salvation. He's the author of the general sense of salvation. He's the author of salvation in your life and mine. The only reason I'm standing here today is because God got a hold of a 12-year-old many years ago in the hills of North Mississippi. And by grace, he saved him. He began that work. And he is the one that began the work in Louisiana Baptist many years ago. While I note to you all these people who have gone before us, you don't miss it. The hero of history has always been Jesus. The hero of the Old Testament history, the hero of the New Testament history, the the hero of history in our church life is Jesus. He's the author, the pioneer, some translations say, and the perfecter, the completer. In other words, what he begins in us, he will finish in us. What he began as this general work of salvation, he will bring it to an end one day. This salvation that he has brought individually into our lives, he will keep me, listen to me, listen to me. He will keep me until the day of his return. I believe that with everything that I have, that he will perfect his salvation in me. I may fail, I may fall, but thanks be to God, I will always have the rock of certainty in Jesus himself. He is the pioneer and the perfecter who has gone on. Everything starts and ends with Jesus. And it says, despising the shame, he has sat down at the right end of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, present tense. In other words, you got to keep on looking. You got to keep on looking. What I'm hearing here in Hebrews is this. Is that we've got to pursue. There's importance. And there are the instructions that he gives us. We have to pursue. And we have to look into Jesus. 
Because where is Jesus? In a sense, he's at the finish line. And then what he said, Jesus finished his pursuit. Now we know again, he's going to complete salvation. I know all that, I know. But I'm talking about his earthly ministry here. He completed that. He finished. He is at the finish line. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, again, if you want to pay attention to the tense of that verse, it means that he sat down in time past and it still has abiding consequences to this day. In other words, Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and his authority is still in effect for today. He's there. And sometimes I almost can hear him. Come on. Just come on. Come on. I know it's hurting. Just, just come on a little bit. I know that sin's trying to come on. I know that the world is chaotic. Come on. I know all this. Come on. And I believe that Jesus still encourages us individually and collectively as Louisiana Baptists to just keep coming on. It's important. It's important. And my friends, before we leave here, may we understand that significance and may we lay aside the weight and the sin. May we learn to run with endurance. And may we look to Jesus. Because if we all look into Jesus and we all run in the same way, there will be natural unity. Because we're looking to Jesus. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this convention, this state that I love. And Lord, I pray that you help us keep looking to you learning to run with endurance, and Lord, laying aside those things that slow us down. Because we know, Lord, it's important for the kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.